right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Woo! And on today's edition of the show, we're talking KU basketball after a... Uh, Interesting exhibition game, to say the least, last mm. night against Fort Hayes State. Uh, voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We have a bunch of audio we're going to get to you today, whether it's the post-game audio, Andy Kolnicki audio. We have a bunch of player audio from KU Men's Basketball Media Day that will do our player previews with Jamari McDowell, Hunter Dickinson, KJ Adams. So plenty coming at you on today's show. Let's start right there, though. KU takes down Fort Hayes State 73-55 to for uh the exhibition victory, so one and one through exhibition play. Big W. As they get ready through for a uh, huge W. I guess real part of the season, which will be this upcoming Monday. That to me, I, I, there's two ways of looking at this. Because okay. I think I think last night's game was almost caused a bit of a, a civil war on social media among KU basketball fans. Okay. There's the side of well, it. Hold on a second. First of all, yeah, that's every game. True, but there's the well, except for wins. For the most part, wins. It's yeah. like wins in the regular season and good teams, <laughs> I guess would be the way to put it. So there's there's the side of the KU Twitter, which last night it's like, oh, that was an ugly game. You got outscored in the second half. You only put up 73 points against a D2 team. You can't shoot the basketball. This team stinks. They, they haven't been able to shoot in the exhibition. And this is going to be a bad KU team. There's the other side, which is like, okay, they, they were dominating in the first half. Uh, things got a little lethargic. They lacked energy. Bill Self called him out about it, but that's what he should do as a coach. I'm not worried about it. Who cares? It's a D2 exhibition game. Who cares that they didn't do this or that? They still won the game big, blah, blah, blah. There are those two sides that are coming together. I, I'm probably, I don't know, like I, both are true. I think there are certain things to be concerned about through the exhibition play, and I'm not just talking the first two games. I'm talking going back to Puerto Rico. Um, that there are certain things you can point to and say, yeah, maybe they are going to have some struggles here. But I full well acknowledge that even though KU probably has some weaknesses and some things they need to get better at, it's still Kansas, it's still Bill Self. Are they going to be fine from the national perspective of like, will they make the NCAA tournament? Will they be a top 25 team? Like, will That's they compete for a Big 12 title? That. That's ridiculous yes. to even have to ask that question. I know, right? Like, yes, like they are going to do all those things. They're- so. Um, it, it just depends on the lens you're looking at it. If you're looking at it from the standpoint of, well, they're the preseason number one team, I expect them to look like the preseason number one team, to look like the best team, to look like the most complete team in the country. Then you probably came away from last night going, I don't think they are those things, especially when you add the the other exhibitions that we've seen. But if you look at it from the perspective of, can they just be a really good team that has a shot at making a Final Four once things are, are coming into March? Well, it's so early in the season. They have enough talent. Yes, things haven't looked super pretty, but why can they not get to that point? So it, it just kind of depends the the scope that you want to look this into. There, how long have you been paying attention to KU basketball or following KU basketball? Uh, You know, decade like, plus. Okay, so decade plus. Mm-hmm. Out of all the years that you followed KU basketball, have any of those Bill Self teams ever been at their absolute best in November? 
That's a good question. Um, honestly, probably probably the last time they were preseason number one, the 18-19 season, because Udoka ends up getting hurt. So, like, they were actually better at the beginning of the year because Doak was healthy. and you had. Uh, but, yeah, to your point, like, yes, they, they always get better as the season goes on. Okay, thank yes. you. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Who the hell cares what the score is against Fort Hay State? Okay? I don't. I literally do not give a damn. Okay? Well, and I, I Everything's going to be fine. They're going to be in February and March. They're going to be in first place in the Big 12 or close to it, and everything's going to be fine. So I'm trying to think of a time where the score was even that close in a D2 game. We go back to last year, Pittsburgh State was 94-63. to Do these people not watch KU over the course of a whole season? Well, no, they but always I, don't look great early in the year. But has it been this close? There was Emporia State a couple years ago that was eighty-six to sixty. So that's you know, I mean, open your fun. eyes, watch watch any of the previous years of KU. They always peak at the right time. Nobody cares what you did in November. Sure, it, I don't understand. Eighty-six fifty-six. I'd be interested to see though if this was the closest exhibition game they've had since I don't know, but long, long time. Against like a D two squad. We've been talking about this. Hunter Dickinson. I don't. I don't think he's been trying at all. Yeah, I, I think he tried against Illinois a little bit, but okay. I, here I found it. So the sixteen uh, seventeen season. That team ended up being pretty good. They beat Washburn in one of their exhibitions, ninety two seventy four. Eighteen so points. Eighteen points. Now the offense looked better, and and I think that I think that's what it is. If they would have won by eighteen, but they put up a hundred points, but they put up ninety points, I don't think people would be as uh, uh, I don't know. Skeptical oh, about what's going on yeah, about it. I mean, what are we doing? Sure. Don't you know? Don't you understand? Don't you watch KU? Yeah. This is how things go. No, I, I agree. But, like, they don't look great. Do... Bill Self calls them soft, says they uh-huh. suck, all that, yada, yada, yada. And then in February, they're in first place. So who cares? Well, and, and to that point, I'm not, like, worrying. But you do have to acknowledge, too, like, there are some flaws that they have shown through the exhibition portion. Dude. Every college basketball team has flaws. I understand that, but if, if we are going back to the idea of viewing it from the lens of number one team in the country. They're definitely not the number one team in the country right now, today. Yes. But who cares? And also, at the end of the year, if you're the number one team in the country, that doesn't mean you're going to win Jack either. So who cares then? I get what you're I don't saying. know, man. I just, I, just, I just don't understand trying to come up with these ridiculous assumptions off of Fort Hayes State. For a game against Fort Hayes State. But for me, it's the accumulation of stuff, right? It's, it's okay, in the offseason, we talked a lot about, do they have enough three-point shooting? Well, against Illinois, you go 3 of 12. <laughs> okay. Fort Hayes State, you go 6 of 28. Right? In, in a vacuum, if you're saying, ah, 6 of 28 against Fort Hayes State, whatever, weird exhibition, weird things happen. But now you're starting to stack these up. And if we want to add even more to that, if we go to the three games in uh, Puerto Rico, we add all the three-point shots together. That gives you over 100 three-point shots, five games worth of data, and that even includes Arterio Morris, who was part of the team in Puerto Rico for two of the games and uh, was thought to be probably one of your better three-point shooters this year. KU in their five exhibition games is now shooting 29% from three-point range. And if I added late night in the fog, which was not a thing of beauty offensively, the number probably goes down a little bit more. You can't add late night in the fog. Well, I didn't. I'm just saying. That would be another game that you could point to as a sample. So 29% from three over five games, that would be one of the worst marks in the entire country over the course of the season. That is yeah. a little bit concerning. I remember looking at this recently. I think it was uh, – let me see if I can double-check this. Well, um, no, that's not right. 
I remember I remember looking back. Remember we had that discussion about national champions and three-point shooting percentage? Yeah. I was trying to look back, and there was – I don't remember which one. It, I think it was – Yeah, I can pull it up for you. Um, I think it was mm, – no, that's not it. Yeah, well, here. There I'll, was I'll, one I'll team that was, like, not great at three-point shooting I that mean, won the national title. Well – it, there's a certain mark. I think like anybody in, like the, 30, in the bottom 100 or something like that is yeah has not been able to do it. Um, the the Kansas team from a couple seasons ago that would have been the number one overall seed. That team was uh, that team was around 34, 35 percent. So that team was not, I guess, great in that regard. So if we look at uh, national championship teams. No, that's not it. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll pull this up. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the point the, yeah. the, the point being, like, generally, you have to be decent as a three-point shooting team. And right now, it doesn't seem like Kansas is going to be very very decent. Uh, Nick Timberlake is, seems to be really struggling. And I think I, I kind of mentioned it on yesterday's show about what I was looking for. And... Part of it was I wanted to look at the guys that had not played it on field us before and see what they did. Well, they didn't do very great. Uh, and Marco Jackson didn't score. Yeah. Nick Timberlake struggled. Uh, Parker Brown played well. Well, and, and I think, honestly, there is one way you can look at it from a glass half full. You can be like, okay, Kevin McCuller, who was a question, what is he going to shoot from three? He's done really well from three in the two games to make you think that, Okay, Nick Timberlake's going to eventually hit some of the open shots. Maybe. Michael Jankovic is eventually going to hit some of the open shots. I don't know if he'll be in the rotation or anything. But, like, Hunter Dickinson eventually is going to hit some of the open shots. His collegiate track record has shown that. So maybe you go, okay, well, those guys are going to start hitting open shots. Now that we know Kevin's doing well from three, that is a good sign. But the fact is, if you take Kevin McCuller out over the two exhibition games, they're three of 29 from three, and that includes two banked-in threes from Parker Brown and Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. So if you take away the two banked-in threes and Kevin McCuller, the rest of the team is one of 27 from three in the first two games. By the way, I have Listen, those numbers. I can go one for 27. For on three. the national champions. Um, so 19 of the 21 last national champions have been top 175. So top half in the country yeah. in three point. I shooting. think Louisville was one of them that wasn't right. Uh, Louisville in 2013 was 200th in yeah. the country. So that's one, but that team was elite at, um, getting steals. They were so elite at the, offensive rebounding. They the were, uh, the other one was that. 2011 Connecticut team with uh, Kemba Walker. They were okay, so they 237. Just, but that, that's kind of a weird one. They just got hot. Yes, correct. So if you want to look at the Louisville team as being like the bottom of the barrel that you'd be like, okay, at minimum, we need to shoot what that 2013 Louisville team did. And I what, think so you they, could argue. I mean, that was like also what, 33% as a team? 10 years ago, and, and three-point shooting has become more important. 33.3%. But again, Louisville that year was number one in the country on defense, which maybe this Kansas team can be. They were number two in forcing turnovers in the country. So they got a lot of extra possessions that way. They were top 50 in the country in two-point offense and two-point defense. Now, there's a chance KU could be great at both those. Um, and they did not turn the ball over themselves. So if you're going to do that, also they were 16th in the country in offensive rebound rate. All right, so hold on. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is KU going to shoot 33% from three this year as a team? I, I mean, given what we've I mean, seen so a, far, a, it would be under. You gave a five-game sample size of shooting 29%. Yeah. So uh, still, over the though, I of the would bet the season, over on that. Still, I would bet the over on that. Okay, so you feel you feel pretty good that they're going to be because, mm -hmm. like, to be an to be 
an average three-point shooting team, you got to be shooting like, what, 34.5% probably, 35%. That's probably average, right? Yes. So they just get there. Just get to average. And then you're probably fine. Yeah. And then you can lean on Hunter Dickinson. You can lean on Kevin McCuller. Now, I will say this. My big, circling back to Kevin McCuller, my major, major concern is that he's already banged up, mm-hmm. and the season hasn't even started yet, and he hasn't played a full season healthy in his entire career. Yeah, they said he played through a neck injury. Like, that was not great. Yeah, because he, remember, late in the Illinois game, uh, he, like, pinched a nerve or something. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't think it was ever clarified what happened to him, but something he pinched a nerve in his neck or did something in that Illinois game late. That is my major, major concern. Because yeah. if you remove him from the puzzle, then you start to say, oh, boy, what are we, you know, yeah. <laughs> what are we well, doing now? And I think the worry is you become Arkansas last year. Arkansas was 317th in the country in three-point shooting. They were actually good at forcing turnovers. They were pretty good at offensive rebounding. They were, they were good at two-point offense, two-point that, defense. That Arkansas team last year was had more A lot of blocks. Had more athletes. Yes. Than this KU team. That's the thing. Like, if you're going to be... If you're gonna, if you're not gonna be a good three three point shooting team, you just have to become TCU, where you just have like, or Arkansas, where you just have like ten guys that are just athletes who happen to also play basketball. But see, I don't think that that is what Kansas is. That's not what no, that's not what Kansas is at all. You have to shoot some level of three and because that they is have concern. because when if you want to talk about athleticism, you have Marco Jackson and KJ Adams. Mm-hmm. Dewan Harris is not a particularly yeah, I think he's individual. he's a fine athlete, but he's not. Hunter Dickinson, nah, no, and especially and, I mean, I if know. you're going to play a way where you're consistently throwing the ball down low, it's just going to naturally slow things down on offense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm just not really worried, but okay. I. What would be the know. point that you would be worried about the three point shooting? I guess. Well, like, is it is it the I mean, first three? Dude, games as long as they're getting Kentucky, W's, they go. As long as they're getting W's, I don't care. To be quite honest with you. Well, in the Illinois game, they didn't. Well, I know. So then I care. <laughs> uh, dude, I don't know. I mean, if they, we'd have to get like ten games into the season, and they'd have to be shooting like sub thirty percent. Well, here's where for it's me to actually me. be like, oh crap, this sure. is a problem. Here's where it's concerning to me. You should be able to win North Carolina Central, Manhattan, regardless. Those teams are in the 300s on Ken Palm. Eastern Illinois, who you play after Maui Invitational, they're in the 300s, too. Yeah. So that should be three wins. You should be able to beat Chaminade, you know, D2 school. So that should be four wins. Kentucky, if you don't shoot well from three, you could win that game because they might not shoot well from three. I don't know. They got a bunch of young freshmen. But there's a chance you lose that game. When you look at the Maui Invitational, after you play Chaminade, you will be playing either UCLA or Marquette. Probably Marquette, I would guess. That's the number 11 team on, on Ken Palm. And they shoot well from three. Um, yeah. And then you would be playing one of Purdue, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Syracuse. Probably one of Purdue, Gonzaga, Tennessee. All three of which are in the top eight on Ken Palm. There is a real chance. Like, if you were to lose to Kentucky, there's a real chance that you come out of the Maui Invitational at three and three. Four and two probably would be the most likely situation. But let's say you're three and three, then you beat Eastern Illinois. Now you're four and three. Now you're playing UConn. You still have Missouri and at Indiana. Like, what if they lose four or five games in the non? I mean, this is if kind you're of, not shooting well from three. This is what I've been floating, sort of, mm-hmm. is that with the way KU's schedule is built, it's they're probably gonna they are probably gonna drop some of those games. I mean, they they've got a team with a lot of new faces, and clearly they need to continue to gel together on both ends of the floor and find their rhythm. And they have a gauntlet. 
Sure. Truly. So, yes. And but I'm not again, saying they're going to lose all those. I'm just saying that's, that's, the, just, that's the disaster scenario if you continue to not shoot well. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know that I... I mean, I don't even know that I'd call it a disaster scenario. A realistic... A realistically bad scenario? A realistically average to bad scenario was that, yeah, you have five losses, four losses. Going into conference play. Mm -hmm. And you could end up being, you know, 20 and seven or whatever going into the Big 12 tournament at the end of the year because you're probably going to lose at least three or four in conference play, I would think. It is starting to make me wonder if this, I, I don't know. I, I just have, uh, the, the three-point shooting is such a big thing. Like, this isn't just like, oh, they're they're turning the ball over. They're not a great defense rebounding team. Like, to me, three-point shooting is like one of the most important skills to have in today's college basketball. I think yeah, I mean, you get I, by with a lot of other stats that are down. It's hard to get by without the lack of three-point shooting or with the Yeah, lack. I mean, I think unless, and kind of like you alluded to with, with the Louisville team, like, unless you're really, really elite at like three or four other things, you know, which that, like you said, that could come to fruition. Ku couldn't. Ku could, could end up could be being dominant inside in, scoring. An elite defense could be a dominant inside scoring sure. offense, an efficient offense. I think they need to be better at rebounding. I think they were only up by a couple of rebounds on Fort Hayes State. You know, yeah, but we'll see. And obviously, you're not. Not every game is going to play out to start the way this one did against Fort Hayes State, where they just gave Tunder Dickinson five mm-hmm. times and he scored five times or whatever. Yeah, I, I I feel like I'm having a negative connotation on this, and and I don't mean it to come. That yeah, I'm, like it's not I'm that the complete dire. opposite. It's not that I'm dire. the complete opposite of you. I, I, I don't. I'm literally not concerned, really at all. Yeah, I'm no. not. I'm not trying to have it come across that way. But um, I, I think the other biggest thing coming away from the game is it feels like they are not even close to figuring out who the starting, the fifth starting guy, basically the shooting guard is going to be. Yeah. Because you you start Timberlake in this game, um, I think to to see what he would provide after El Marco. Uh, there were some quotes from Bill Self on El Marco Jackson after the game. He's paralyzed. He's thinking so much. He also said he like can't play back a point guard right now. That it has to be like Kevin McCuller. Yeah, that's not ideal. That's not ideal. Um, and especially if Kevin's injured, right? Yeah. Then you have with uh, Timberlake, he's just not I hitting mean, open shots. He's I'm struggling almost, defensively. I'm almost expecting KU to play like minimum five games this season without Kevin McCuller. Truly. Sure. And if that's the case, how many of those games are you going to win? Yeah, I mean he's missed a handful in in every game of his collegiate career, and uh, you know you just every, hope every he's healthy. Yeah. Um. With Furphy, I thought Furphy actually looked pretty good. I yeah. thought he made a few flash plays. Thunder down under looked pretty good. Now, there were still freshman plays, like he had the one bad pass to the turnover and all that stuff. And overall, you look at the box score, none of those guys really stepped out for you. I think combined the three of them, actually, if I add Michael Jankovic, well, oh, Marco didn't score. If I take if I take the three of them with El Marco, Nick Timberlake, and Furphy, I think they would combine, what, like two for 11, two for 12? So El Marco didn't score. Uh, he was what, Timberlake two, was one three? of six from the field, one of five from three with three points, and Furphy was just one of three from the field with two points. Yeah, so you get like two for twelve, so five combined. points. Yeah, and two for twelve. Yeah, basically. that's not going to cut it for your shooting guard spot. So I, I don't think anybody's really emerged, even though I thought Furphy looked the best. It also was like all three of the guys. I think Furphy was around 13, 14 minutes. Marco and Timberlake were 15 to 16 minutes. They yeah. were all playing close together. This feels very reminiscent to the center position for Kansas last year. Yeah, so Furphy played Except 14. you don't have K.J. Adams. You don't have a somebody who's like, oh, well, this guy's just going to move to being the two this year. You don't have that opportunity. This is basically KU had, okay, we have to start Uday, Edgefer, Cam Martin, or, or one of these guys, Zach Clements at center. That's what they're going under right now the shooting guard spot yeah well and listen rightly or wrongly whichever way you believe about the arterial Moore situation it's obvious that there is an arterial Moore sized hole on the basketball court that 
that is missing from KU. That they clearly had the team built mm-hmm. with him being there. And obviously, with what transpired off the court, there was no possibility of him ever being on the team. You know, regardless of if you thought he should have been here in the first place or not. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, Derek, but there's around the country, there's been a lot of guys that KU was at a little bit in on at times in the transfer portal that are getting their eligibility waivers denied. Yeah. That's happened a lot. And I wonder if KU had an inkling that that was possible and decided, you know what, we're just going to go after a guy that we know is going to be eligible, even though, and, and well, we're going to after a guy that we know is going to be eligible at the time, plus his talent. And they, they did that, right? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, let's say KU said, we're not taking our serial morals because of the off-the-court concerns, and they'd gone and gotten Raekwon Battle or Primo Spears. Well, guess what? Both those guys... Denied. Sure. Well, I mean, there so, was nothing to stop them from getting in on guys that they didn't really get in on. I, no, I, I know. I, but but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. It's like they, no, they, that, they, that they might have had other opportunities. It was a big swing and a miss to go Obviously. for that. You could have gone for other players. You didn't. And this is kind of the aftermath of that, which uh, certainly hurts. So a um, lot of, I guess, concerns more than I can ever remember coming out of an exhibition game against a D2 school since I've ever been watching or covering KU, which on one hand isn't great, but also at the end of the day, it's an exhibition game. And, you know, two months from now, how much are we going to really remember the aftermath of this game? Not I guess all. if thing goes, things go south, well, some people might look back and be like, see, other people are going to be like, you okay, know what? you know. You can tell me I'm wrong in two months if that's the okay. case. But well, for now... Chill. It's just an exhibition. They won by 18. Who cares? Defense held them to 55. That's one positive takeaway. Dominated on the inside for the second straight game. I mean, even in the Illinois game, you were uh, really good. I think you outscored Illinois like 50 to 22 points in the paint. So you have shown that. There are there are some good positives. Hunter Dickinson looked good. KJ Adams continued to look good. Kevin McCuller, another 20-point effort for him. Dewan Harris again in control. Certainly some positive efforts, but uh, certainly Dewan some did have a couple well. bad turnovers, though. Yeah. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. I was trying to end on a positive. You had to end on oh. a negative, didn't Sorry. you? All right. KU uh, one seed, 2024 <laughs> national champion. There we go. Uh, more KU basketball talk coming up on the other side. We'll get to some audio as well. KJ Adams preview later this hour. Voice of the Jayhawks joins us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour with Brian Haney. We'll be back for more on the other side of this timeout on KLWN. Depend on it. About a quarter till 4, Voice of the Jayhawks. Brian Haney is going to join us coming up here in about 20 minutes. But first, we have another player preview. We had a chance to catch up with KJ Adams, who... Has had a couple nice exhibition games. He played well, too, in Puerto Rico. I'm uh, really excited to see what the final stats kind of look like for KJ this season because uh, I, I, I think he's going to be a bit of a battering ram, just attacking smaller guys on the offensive end. And um, I know it'd be ideal to have more shooting on the court, but uh, KJ Adams, I think, is going to make it work as, as best as possible with kind of a two-big lineup because of his smarts. His basketball IQ, his hustle, his ability to cut, his ability to finish at the rim. Uh, here was an opportunity with members of the media and Nick to catch up with KJ Adams, and then we'll get into uh, the rest of his player preview. Ask you about Furphy. What, what have you seen from him? Yeah, he's just really good. He he plays a different type of style that a lot of people from here don't really recognize. But he just has a really a lot of good potential. He's a pretty good good shooter and just good all around player. 
And what have you seen from Dewan improvement-wise? What has he been working on? Yeah, he's just—he's really just working on his shooting more. He's one of the best point guard shooters there is, so he's just working on being more of a leader, just like he always is, and just helping the team go farther than we can even imagine. And with so many newcomers, what kind of tips and tricks have you been giving those guys maybe to you know, learn what Coach Self likes? Yeah, Coach Self kind of does a lot of that. He doesn't really have to say too much, but I've just been trying to update them about how crazy it is just to play here and being out of the field house and how grateful everybody should be just to play in this environment. I'm going to give you some superlatives here, okay? We got the class clown or maybe the biggest prankster on the team. Class clown would have to be probably Justin Cross. Justin Cross. Yep. What about most likely to be president? Most likely president, Michael Jankovich. It's an easy one. How come? Uh, he's a people's person. I don't know. I guess, I guess he's, he's, he's really smart, so maybe him. And then we got the teacher's pet slash the coach's pet. Dewan, easily. Dewan's definitely Coach Self's favorite. And then we got best dressed or best hair? Best dressed. Probably Kevin or Hunter. They got some good style. Heck yeah. Thank you, KJ. Of course, of course. KJ, obviously the team went through very new look over the offseason. A lot of guys out, a lot of new guys in. Was there ever a doubt in you and Juan's mind you know, that this would be a team that can compete for a national championship? Not really. When you play at a place like Kansas, that's really all you think about is just not who comes but who we get. Just just looking forward to the next season and just really ready to improve. Now that you guys got a true big man in the mix, what's it been like adapting with a new play style with Hunter? <laughs> Sorry, it, it, it's been good. Um, it's been good to have him here, just just as an actual big man, actual five to bring me up and kind of just be a more aggressive. Yep. Halloween is just around the corner. Do you have a favorite Halloween candy? Halloween candy has to be Snickers or Reese's. That would be my favorite Halloween candy. Do you have a favorite, uh, maybe like from your childhood Halloween costume that you remember a lot of, or Halloween costume you had as a kid? Um, I used to watch an old show called A-Team, so I was Mr. T. So I think I have that picture somewhere. Maybe I need to post it, but I definitely was Mr. T one time. You feel like you're maybe kind of Mr. T on the court, too, feeling that same way? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I, if, if I was, I'd be the one in uh, Rocky. I'd be him. What do you feel like is your biggest strength coming into this season? Um, probably just using my speed to advantage. If I if I have like a bigger guy guarding me, trying to get away from him, and just trying to be better in my rebound ability this year. Guess you got some new faces on your team. How much do you think the Puerto Rico trip helped, both on the court and also off the court? Yeah, it helped a lot. We had a lot of experience in games. We'll probably this will end up probably playing five exhibition games this season. So it'll really give us a good start in the season and try to fix up stuff that we are not so good at during those exhibition games and have them cleaned up before the real game start coming. Yeah, you guys obviously have a tough non-conference schedule. How important do you think it is to get off to a quick start and, and build maybe the confidence of the team early in the season? Yeah, the, 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 that first part of the season is going to be everything. We're, we're going to play a bunch of tough opponents, so just having that and getting through that struggle and playing all those good teams and hopefully going undefeated will be a really good start. Off the court, maybe if you need to ever take your mind off basketball, what are some things you might try to do maybe to help reset a little bit off the court? Yeah, I like to cook with my girlfriend a little bit, maybe do some paintings, get out a little bit, go do some fun things in Kansas City, just stuff like that. What's your go-to meal that you'll cook? My go-to meal is probably it's probably easy steak and potatoes or like a quick Alfredo. Would you say you're the best cook on the team, or are there anybody else on the team cook? Probably me and Hunter would probably be tied. I would say I'm a little better, but Hunter probably cooks a little bit more often than me. Good luck this season. Thank you. 
Uh, that was KJ Adams. I love getting to know these guys and, and hear some of the personality because there, there's a lot of them that, that you feel that way. And uh, KJ, it's always felt – I'm so glad he's having such a big impact because he, he works so hard and he puts so much effort in. He's such a cerebral player, and, and you see the the off the court stuff. I, I love the stuff about Mr. T because I could totally <laughs> see – I mean, dude, if – honestly, he might be more – I mean, uh, he, yeah, I mean, he, he fits – he looks like him. Well, he might be more uh, – the, the hair is, is what it is. Yeah. But he might be more like – I don't know if like if if KJ Adams had to fight Mr. T, I don't know how big Mr. T is cuz KJ's 67. <laughs> Mr. T was only 510. <laughs> Dude, I'm taking KJ Adams. He's probably got a Mr. significant T. reach advantage also. And uh, I love that. Clearly a fan of Rocky and uh, <laughs> you know, Clubber Lang, Rocky 3, played by Mr. T. So, uh, cool stuff there. So, uh, as far as the player yeah. preview with KJ Adams, what is the ceiling for KJ look like this season? I think the ceiling for him is probably like 14, 15 points per game, decent amount of rebounding, uh, and being that real energy guy. Like To me, uh, when Bill Self talks about lack of energy and whatnot, and, and KJ Adams mentioned that too as well, to me, that's like that's KJ Adams' role. He need, he's the energy guy, right? He's the guy that, that can kind of lift the team up in that area, I think. He's the one who throws down the yeah. big dunk that gets everybody, the momentum on your side, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that I look at him as being that that guy uh, for this team. So I think that part of his game, if that's incorporated in, along with a little bit of extra scoring. And, and I've kind of gone back to this. You know, Bill Self mentioned last year that KJ's rebounding numbers were lower just because he was constantly having to fight big dudes and box him out. And, and I think, if I remember right, Bill Self was basically saying he thought KJ was doing a great job. It's just it wasn't showing up on the stat sheet because of the fact that he was Boxing out bigger dudes, right, like the so I wonder. Boy game. Yeah, so like I wonder if now at the four position with a guy like Hunter Dickinson involved, if KJ Adams' rebound numbers spike, is that possible? I don't know. I think it's possible. We haven't really seen it in the two exhibition games. I was no, we of, haven't. I was kind of wondering this last night though. Maybe you almost view it as like because Kevin's been averaging six or seven rebounds per game. Yeah. Maybe KJ actually is a better rebounder this year, but it's not going to show up stats wise because Dickinson and McCuller could gobble up. 16 to 20 rebounds a game, you know, yeah. so there's only so many that are going to be had available. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the ceiling for KJ is being like, I, I mean, if, if KJ is just this unstoppable force on smaller guys and he's shooting 60% from the field, driving to the rim and he's getting you two assists per game and, and four, four and a half, five rebounds a game and he's shooting 14, 15 and get what? Uh, I just, I, t- I was thinking, I actually thought about this while you were, while you were talking. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I think there's two different ceilings for KJ. The first one is what you were as what you were talking about, which is he's just an unstoppable force. He's just a, an absolute wrecking ball. The second aspect of what his ceiling could be is if he actually does develop a more of a mid-range jump shot or a long-range jump shot or maybe does take some threes and is effective, right? Mm-hmm. Is that safe to say? Yeah, for sure. And I think all of that to say that I mean I we we tussled the idea for a while in the offseason. Who's going to be second on the team in points per game? Hunter Dickens at first. Who would be second? Well, I think it's been pretty clear Kevin McCuller would be the leader in that clubhouse. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe Kevin's the leader to, to lead the team and Hunter I, would I, be second. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But there is then the opening who's third on the team. Now, it, it's tough for if your, your top guy's averaging 18 a game and your second guy's averaging 16, 17 a game. Like, how much is, is there going to be for the third guy? Is it 12, 13, 14 a game? Yeah. But I think KJ can fit that role. So, uh, when you're talking about that with being a good defender, I think the ceiling of KJ Adams is being an All Big Twelve player this year. I don't, I don't know like what team designation that would be, but being a very impactful 
all Big 12 player, I think, is the ceiling for KJ Adams. And to your point, the ceiling involves, you know, hitting some threes, not necessarily being a, a guy who's taking well, like three three-pointers. I think it a could game. be either or. I think it could be either or. Okay. I think it could be either he's just an absolutely dominant force, just an absolute machine that destroys everything, or he does develop more of an outside perimeter game, and that becomes a factor in his game. You see what I'm saying? I think it's it could be either or. Mm-hmm. I think both of those could be reasonable, quote-unquote, ceilings for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, what do you think the floor would be for KJ? Uh, I think the floor would be uh, if he if it just doesn't really work with, with Hunter Dixon on the floor. That's the biggest floor to me for KJ Adams because you know you know he's going to work hard, you know he's going to put in the effort and all that, but I, I almost think the floor for KJ Adams is something that is almost a little bit out of his control from the sense of the floor for him might be that it just it just it's just to the point with Hunter Dickinson where it just they they can't gel together on the floor and so that puts a cap on what Hunter and what KJ Adams is is so instead of, of playing 30 32 minutes a game he's playing 22 minutes per game exactly. because you're trying to get an extra floor spacer out there exactly like I, I I think it's possible that if if those guys if it's just if it's just not working with those two on the floor obviously I would expect KU to defer to Hunter Dickinson and have him be the main guy in which case then you've got KJ Adams you know, and in probably more of a diminished role at that point. Now, I, that co- now the thing is, is that would have to coincide probably with KU getting a much better play from like Furphy slash Omarco slash Timberlake, so that they could roll out. Because like you know, KU's best lineup, maybe quote unquote, might end up being Kevin McCuller at the four with Furphy and Timberlake, or Furphy and Omarco Jackson, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that, right? But that that would have to that would two things would have to happen for that to be the case. One, like I said, the situation with KJ and Hunter would just wouldn't gel. And two, you'd have to get significantly better play from the other guys. So that's why I'm thinking, I almost wonder that if KJ's floor is a bit out of his hands, so to speak, uh, because of because of that. Because I think that's that's going to be the biggest limiting factor for him is if it just doesn't really work with Hunter Dickinson. I think I would uh, completely echo that because I think you're right. There is still a big enough floor that he's a important player on the team no matter what and that he's a, a good player. And again, you know he's going to put in the right. work. You know it's he's just a question about the team fit and the shooting. Yeah, you know he's going to bring the effort. And, and yeah, like I said, if he doesn't, if he's unable to develop any sort of outside game with a three-point shot or even like a mid-range shot compounded with maybe the issues with Hunter Dickinson, that to me is the floor. Would you agree that the ceiling is more likely here? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, This is one where I feel very confident saying the ceiling is much more likely. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of them where I've been kind of in between and I, maybe one way or the other. This one I feel very confident that his ceiling is, is much more attainable than, than his floor. I agree. All right, we're going to take a timeout. One hour down, two to go. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joins us next in studio. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN, KLWN.com, or the KLWN app. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, at some point here coming up in the uh, four o'clock hour. We will also have our, uh, I guess, player audio and player preview for Hunter Dickinson coming up later in the hour. We have Andy Kolnicki audio we're going to get to. We have Bill Self audio post Fort Hayes State later in the show. We got a recap, Rock Chalk Pickahawk, and we have Jamari McDowell player preview and audio coming in uh, later in the show as well. Tonight, we have High School Sports Weekly after the show. That'll be at 6 o'clock over at Mama's Tamale Shop. That's right. It'll be with the uh, Free State tennis team and the Eudora boys soccer team tonight at uh, Mama's Tamale Shop. So. They've got a brand new patio area. They're going to be putting in a fire pit out there, by the way. So they've got like an outdoor patio area. 
<laughs> and it has some uh, it has some like garage t- style windows for when it's nice out. But obviously, as it gets colder, they're going to be installing a fire pit so you can go and still enjoy the outdoors while not free being freezing and continue to enjoy your delicious, authentic uh, Mexican food as well. I know you you are a big fan of their empanadas, right? Love the empanadas. Yeah. They have dessert empanadas. So last week I was there, they were out of the pumpkin pie. They didn't have them. It's because they're so good. <laughs> People are getting them nonstop. You have to get there early to get the pumpkin pie empanadas. They also have apple pie empanadas, but even the savory empanadas are delicious as well. I also, if you like tamales, um, they're delicious there also. I mean, everything I've gotten there has been awesome. It's, it's my favorite uh, authentic Mexican food in uh, Lawrence. So. Yep. Uh, check them out at Mama's Tamale Shop tonight, 6 to 7 for High School Sports Weekly. Or if you can't make it out for the show, you can uh, come by at some point to Mama's Tamale Shop. Um, so we're going to be talking to, to Brian when he joins us here. A uh, little KU football, a little KU basketball with Brian. I'll, I'll be interested to hear from him because he's uh, obviously been around KU longer than I have. I'd, I'd be curious to know if there's another game that comes to mind for him where he can remember so much fan angst over an exhibition mm. game. Angst is a good word. It feels word. like there's a good amount of angst. Wait, do you there. like angst or do you like curmudgeony better? I don't think curmudgeony is an actual word. Yes, it is. I what do you curmudgeon mean? Curmudgeon is a word. I don't know the curmudgeony. Dude, it's the adjective of curmudgeon. Mm. What do you mean that's not a word? I just Come don't on. know that it's a word. Wow. Well, you know, listen, I've been known to make up words that aren't actually words. In fact, quite often I do that. Mm. Uh, so I would believe that it's not a word. But I think it should be a word. I think it should be a word. And I like it to describe the the state grouchy of the upset. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Upset seems too strong of a word. You know, that's why I like angst better because mm-hmm. it's a little bit. I think it better encapsulates. You know, sure. Everybody. Uh, we're gonna pivot here. We're gonna get to our Hunter Dickinson audio and uh, player preview, and and we'll have Brian join us at, at some point this hour here on RCST. So uh, Hunter Dickinson uh, had himself a nice game last night. I think 17 points, 11 rebounds. He was just bigger, and they were able to throw him up the ball and made a bunch of plays on uh, everything for KU. Um, he certainly is being thought of as an All American candidate, Big 12 Player of the Year candidate, and. Uh, in the Illinois game, had 22-9, and nine, even in a game we almost considered like a down game, which uh, is kind of funny that, hey, you had 22-9, and nine and we didn't think of it as a great game. Here is uh, audio from members of the media meeting with Hunter Dickinson earlier last week. Hunter, obviously there was a lot about uh, your recruitment and coming here. What What's maybe the thing that surprised you the most since you've come to Lawrence? Uh, oof. Um, I wouldn't say surprising, but the thing that jumped out to me the most here is just the investment in the excitement for the basketball team and just the anticipation for this season. Um, I think a lot of people know, um, you know, what we're capable of, um, you know, the skill and the talent level that we have, obviously the coaching. Um, and I think just, you know, the whole city of Lawrence and the surrounding area is really excited uh, for this season and hopefully it should be a good one. What's your favorite thing about Lawrence so far since you've been here? I'm going to try not, give you, I'm gonna try not to give you the generic basketball answer. Uh, I'd say probably just like the people, um, like this people are super nice here, just the community as a whole, wherever I walk around down the street, um, people are just super nice, super friendly. You got new players on the team, yourself included. How important do you think that Puerto Rico trip was for you guys, both on the court and off the court? Oh, it was great for us. Um, you know, I think we're already, you know, pretty, pretty uh, close team, especially since, like you said, we're really new. 
Um, but the Puerto Rico trip was great just for us to be by ourselves for seven to ten days and kind of just almost trapped uh, together and being able to play a couple games together, just be able to experience um, a different, I guess it's not a different country. Is, it, is this technically the same country, I guess, maybe? I think, I hope. But just being able to do that was really good, and I think that'll help us down the road for sure. What's the toughest thing about Bill Self practices? Uh, I mean, he's intense, and he's going to put you into some intense situations and uh, try to pressure you and, 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 and get you flustered because he wants to see how you're going to react to it. So um, he definitely is very intense, and um, I think some people got to get used to that too. Thank you. Perfect. You guys obviously have a pretty difficult non-conference schedule. How important do you think it is to get off to maybe a, a fast start and build the confidence of the team early on? Oh, very important. Um, I can speak that, you know, last year at Michigan, we, we kind of we struggled a little bit in our non-conference, um, had some close losses. And I think, you know, if you can if you can get that momentum going into conference play with a couple wins under your belt and, and get that momentum going, I think it could be huge for us. And I think, uh, you know, like you said, we have a tough schedule, but... You know, we got we got a very talented team that I think can handle it. You're going back to Illinois, Big Ten country again for the exhibition. How excited are you for that, or what do you hope that the team can build off that that game? Yeah, no, I can't wait. It should be a fun atmosphere. Um, you know, I think the fans will definitely be into it. Uh, for us, you know, having it be an exhibition match, um, they're I think ranked top 25. I think they were number 25 in the AP pool, and so for us to be able to do that and be able to experience a top 25 team and have it not count is a great thing for us, uh, especially since we have a new team with a lot of guys coming in and some freshmen that I think, you know, being able to get that taste of a, of, of a real college experience with some, some good bump um, will help us uh, for the start of the season to make sure we're hitting the ground running. Are you aware of Bill Self's history with Illinois? Has he talked about that at all or anything like that? Uh, I wasn't actually aware of it until I got here, and then um, – they talked about the Illinois game and him going back, and then I, I looked up a little bit, and then it kind of made sense about like his 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 tenure there. Halloween is just around the corner. Do you have a favorite Halloween candy you enjoy? Oh 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 oh. Uh, not not those not that dang. What what what's that? Uh, candy candy corn? No, not that. Okay. That's okay. That, candy corn. That is for sure. Gross. Uh, probably just like some Skittles. That's okay. usually like my go-to. What was your favorite uh, or most memorable Halloween costume you had as a kid, maybe? Anything you dressed uh, up as a kid? My, as a kid, probably like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. That was, that was a fun one. Um, I've been uh, a couple things, but uh, that was probably, the, that was probably my, my, my best outfit. Where would you rank Halloween on your favorite holidays or least favorite holidays? Uh, it, it, I mean, it's like... It's not number one. Number one is Thanksgiving. That's usually around my birthday. Like, usually it's either on Thanksgiving or around my birthday. So, Thanksgiving's usually one. I do Christmas two. Um, July 4th, That's I think that's probably three for me. Usually because, you know, you're at the pool, might go to the beach. So, um, try, ooh, ooh. Memorial Day. I'd say Halloween's four. Halloween's okay. four. All right, well, good luck this season. Thank you, guys. All right, good seasonal rankings from Hunter Dickinson. We don't need to get much into the player preview for this. I mean, we've been talking ceiling and floor. Ceiling yeah. is, I guess, National Player of the Year. Floor is 
Still putting up, is you know, Big 16. 12, all Big 12 Eight. numbers, being a third-team All-American, right? So yeah, he's going to yeah. have a special season one way or another. Yep. All right, we're going to be joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, coming up after this timeout. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to RCST on KLWN. Joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks with Brian Haney. And we'll get to a little KU basketball with Brian. Starting out with some football, though. I mean, KU beats Oklahoma. Um when you think about some of your more fun moments in the booth with David Lawrence and, and everything that you guys have, have gotten to do, I mean, obviously the last couple of years have probably been a whirlwind, but been so much fun, but that's got to be pretty, pretty up there. I'd imagine, right? Top three day, maybe ever in the booth. And, mm-hmm. and many would say, why is it not number one immediately? And I'll always savor it and cherish it. Don't get me wrong. First regular season, top 10 win in 28 years. Hadn't beaten Oklahoma since I was a junior in high school and Nick Springer wasn't even born. Not sure his parents have met yet. Uh, I'll always savor it. Now I'll think of the resilience and the way we battled back through some of those fourth quarter mistakes, the way the defense gave Jason Bean one more chance. And this time he capitalized on it and delivered. I'll always cherish that. But What I started to say when the microphone wasn't working was that I have kind of an unpopular opinion in that I'll probably remember and appreciate the win in Austin two years ago even more so. And I recognize this Oklahoma team is better than that Texas team was, and they were in a little bit of turmoil and disarray at the time, and we kind of caught them sleeping. And you don't catch anybody sleeping now uh, when you've got Lance Leipold crushing it like he has these last two years. But I don't think that our meteoric rise in the last 18 months would have happened without Austin happening the way it did two years ago. And that game in in just the out-of-left-field, out-of-nowhere fashion that it was delivered and the overtime win, one-point victory, game in the 50s, scoring-wise, I will always remember that maybe as my most cherished moment because it was such a surprise and we were so used to getting our brains beat in on the road and uh, that time we rose up. And everything mm-hmm. that followed that in terms of Kansas being taken seriously and the program to the moon trajectory-wise stemmed back from that day. Now, I think David Lawrence would tell you otherwise. He would tell you, well, Oklahoma's a way better football team. This was a top-10 team. This win is is more meaningful to him for those reasons. I guess to me, I just feel like two years ago is what set all this in motion. So this one's definitely top two or three for me. Most fun days, most cherished days. The fact that Fox Big Noon kickoff is there and you capitalize on that national exposure with such a historic, momentous win just adds to it. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's one of several now, and that's a good place to be in that we have several to choose from of these signature moments of KU football. Yeah, it really has. And uh, now this Saturday, they're going to be going against Iowa State, who is tied for first with Oklahoma and uh, this just cluster of teams that are up at the top in the Big 12 right now. So I guess I was actually thinking about this the other day. You look at it, uh, Oklahoma tied first in the Big 12. Two weeks before that, Oklahoma State, they're tied first in the Big 12. Uh, you have the uh, two weeks before that, Texas tied first in the Big 12. Iowa State tied first in the Big 12. That means four of your last five Big 12 games are actually teams tied first in the Big 12. It's a very difficult schedule. But uh, I, I don't know. When you, when you think about the Cyclones, what, what kind of sticks out to you about this matchup? Well, first off, I, I think you've got this five-way log jam at 4-1 and one, and then two teams behind them at 3-2. and two. A, because there is so much parity in the league, and it's really an even league this year. You don't have the teams that are just otherworldly 
in previous years that just seem like in a whole different stratosphere than everybody else. But B, I think a lot of these teams have vaulted records as we enter November because they've been beating up on the Cincinnati's and the UCF's and the Houston's of this conference. And consequently, a team like Iowa State, who didn't look that good out the gates in September, you know, has gotten right, not just against those teams, but you know, beat Baylor and Cincinnati. And, and it's all of a sudden, you've got more clubs with these glitzy, glossy records of 4-1 and one and, and nearly spotless in league play that now have to start playing each other. Whereas Kansas has been playing these teams for the last month, and now our schedule could get a little more advantageous down the stretch if you can stay in the hunt and win this game. I love the way Lance Leipold closed out practice on Monday. He always huddles up with the guys at the end of the two-hour session, and he'll have a couple of brief words. And he said, guys, Saturday was awesome. It's something we'll always remember and always cherish. And hey, we're bowl eligible. That's great, too. If you want to stop right there, those things are good, and this season will be remembered. But if you want to compete for a championship, what you do next is what's going to matter most. How do you back that up this week and go out and beat one of those first-place teams to stay in the race? Because obviously, if you lose this week and you fall to a three-loss team, it's going to be hard to be one of those top two that gets to go to Arlington on December the 2nd. But if you celebrate Oklahoma for what it was, but then quickly turn the page and realize you got to keep grinding and back it up next time out too, then you completely change you know, your vantage point on where you're aiming for. You go from a really good season of six, seven, eight wins to possibly, maybe, just maybe, daring to dream for a 10-2 and two type season. To do that, though, you got to celebrate it for 12 hours and move on to the next. I think this team has done a really good job at doing that. I do. Okay. And uh, when you look at this game against Iowa State, I mean, they have top 10 defense on ESPN's SP+. Plus. It's it's number one in the Big 12 and yards allowed per pass, and they're only giving up 3.7 yards per carry. To me, uh, that that's where the biggest storyline comes in because you look at last year's game and KU only put up 14 points and all of those coming yeah. in the first half. Um, I kind of wonder if Daniel Hyshaw is going to be my most interesting player to, to kind of watch in this one because – this is the game he got injured in last year. Obviously, the first half was when they scored all those points. That was with Daniel Heisch on the lineup. Uh, you look at Oklahoma State, and uh, that's a team who plays a similar style of defense, and they were able to stop the kind of outside runs. Maybe they can find something going on the middle of the inside with, with a three-man front. But uh, for you, is there is there a player in this game that has to play well or you think maybe has an advantage to play well for KU to kind of come away with the win on Saturday? Two separate questions mm-hmm. there because yeah. the answer to the first question is undoubtedly Jason Bean. Right. This is a team that has 13 interceptions defensively. It's a team that's top three in the conference in turnover margin. Oklahoma, by the way, was top two in the country in turnover margin. Thankfully, it balanced out on Saturday. But if we go up there and and on the road with a sellout crowd of 61,500 and you have some self-inflicted turnover plays, specifically interceptions against a ball-hawking secondary. I mean, they've got a corner that right now is the number six defensive back mm-hmm. in the nation in terms of uh, pro football focus grades on collegiate cornerbacks. And if you go up there and, and, and start throwing it right to them, you'll have a much tougher time, I think, overcoming that than what we saw at home last week. And, and let me just say, Everything that happened on that last drive was so clutch, and I love it. And the throw for 37 yards to Arnold will always be remembered. The Devin Neal touchdown was special. 
to me, just as big was the three and out the defense force to give Bean one more chance. Yep. Cornell Wheeler at the heart of two tackles for loss on first and second down to put him behind the sticks, and then you give up a five-yard run on third and 12. Use your timeouts wisely in each of the instances. That'll be forgotten 20 years from now when it's Nick Springer who's about to go to Lamaze classes instead of Derek Johnson, <laughs> and when we're talking about on, on Nick and Derek's historic memories instead mm-hmm. of mine, that'll be lost. But none of that history that was made in the last two minutes happens without Cornell Wheeler and the Kansas defense Mm -hmm. making those plays before it. So I say that in regards to Iowa State to say, gosh, you got to stay away from some of those throws. And I know once or twice a game, we seem to get ourselves into those problems. You got to find a way to avoid it because if Bean goes out and executes and plays a relatively clean game in that regard, I think we can move the football on these guys. But where they eat and where they feast is when they can capitalize on your mistakes. I think personnel-wise, we match up pretty good, but it's a really well-coached team that typically doesn't beat itself. However, if we could play from out in front and put them in a two-score hole and force Rocco Becht to try to get vertical in the passing game, put all the pressure on them, then our ball-hawking secondary could feast. Our guys could be the ones that we're talking about. So everybody talks about the keys of a fast start. I was in Coach's office earlier today, and he was talking to me about that. He said, you know, if not a fast start, just a productive one that moves the ball, flips the field, shuts up the 61,000 fans for a little bit, make them sit down in your seats. But if you could play from out in front and cap it with points early, we got a 60-year senior at quarterback. They got a redshirt freshman. Let's put the pressure on their guys and turn the tables. If that happens, I like the Jayhawks' chances. Well, to that point, I mean, we had the conversation last week about do you take the ball first, and uh, yeah. that was actually something Leipold talked about at the press conference this week. Now, it ended up decision was out of their hands. OU won the toss, and, and they ended up kicking away after deferring. Uh, so it ended up happening that way for KU, although they did get stopped on the fourth down, but moved the ball down the field and everything. Uh, to that notion, do you think they would try to do that in this game then? Maybe. Uh, he said he was going back and forth on it. I think he, I think the comment was he was leaning toward not doing that okay. um, last week. Because I remember sitting next to you in the press conference mm-hmm. and kind of looked at each other. But the fact that they've molded over and, and the fact that they know they'd like to put him in a hole early, maybe it changes. Maybe it's a week-to-week thing, depending on the matchup and how you're feeling. But I know this will be a confident group that heads up there. They've had great focus all week. And you know what? Jason Bean, good for him, man. We talked about this last week that he can kind of be the David McCormick sometimes of, yeah. of KU football that fans, you know, will ride with so much criticism. I thought Christian Braun, Christian Brown, I should say, had the uh, the tweet of the night on Saturday when he said, "No more Bean slander. <laughs> this guy shows up every time his number is called. He's always bringing it, and I love that." Here's a former Jayhawk basketball player stepping up for the current KU football quarterback. He has been there every single day in practice. He has been there every single Saturday in the games. He's been available. He's been ready. No, it hasn't been perfect. But you know what? Dylan Gabriel, everybody's favorite quarterback in the Big 12 heading into Saturday, Mm -hmm. he throws a pick six on his second throw of the day. It was 36 and rainy. I don't care who's out there. It's not going to look that pretty. Has Jason had a history of sometimes – giving the ball up in key moments, yes. But in this case, he was able to exercise those demons. And the key now from going from the the, the great backup quarterback that gave you two bowl eligibility clinching wins to becoming the great quarterback that led you to a Big 12 title game or took you to a nine-win season is he's got to back it up this week and, and it becomes – a little bit more on him now because that that was an ideal circumstance last week at home. You had a defensive score, the big stop late. 
You can't make those same mistakes, I think, on the road against a team this well-coached as Iowa State. Bean needs a cleaner game. If he delivers it, man, huge, huge feather in his cap as we continue to pin the final chapters on how he'll be remembered as a Jayhawk. Well, while you're staying busy with football, we are now in the midst of basketball season, too. You had the Illinois game last Sunday, exhibition last night, real thing on Monday against NC Central. I, I, I talked about it in the previous segment. I was, I was curious to know. Because KU wins exhibition. There's the one way of looking at it is uh, they won by 18. What's the big deal? There was, uh, I think, a little bit of fan angst, though, after the game about the three-pointers continuing not to fall and, oh, you only won by 18. Can you remember another exhibition game that was this scrutinized for KU? I can't, but there's several factors involved yeah. with that. One, we're preseason number one in the country. Two, we just lost what was supposed to be a behind-closed-door scrimmage, and we weren't at full mm -hmm. strength. I mean, it really was a scrimmage, guys. They, they let right. you play with unlimited fouls on yeah. Sunday. I don't know if you noticed that, but we had one guy with six fouls, a bunch yeah. of other guys with five yeah, fouls. Colvin Hawkins would have fouled out. Yes. I think Kevin yeah. and, and KJ so would have fouled out. Yeah. When Coach Self in his press conference on, on Monday was talking about the Illinois scrimmage and mm -hmm. kept using the word scrimmage, that's really what it was. But because that's fresh in our minds and because KU is number one in the polls and because we got a taste of a different-looking KU team in San Juan, I don't want to talk about guys that aren't here anymore, but this roster was constructed to, to look mm -hmm. a little bit different and arguably your most explosive player on what you thought your team was going to be is now no longer here. So they're still kind of tinkering with what it's going to look like. Um, so, hey, let's not judge them too harshly on October and November 1 basketball. In Bill, we trust. It always comes together. And usually it comes together during the mid-semester break between when classes are done in early December and when the Big 12 schedule starts in early January. And if not, they're certainly playing their best basketball by February 1. So no chicken littles out there worried about three-point shooting right now. To me, the big positive from yesterday, even with dismal three-point shooting around 20% as a team, McCuller hits four of them on a high-volume three-point shooting night. Hey, man, this is a guy that for his career is in the low 30 percentile, and he wants to show the scouts he can shoot in the upper 30s, maybe even 40. For him to go 4 of 8 last night, very good sign. Is it sustainable? Not at 50%, but, but that's a good sign. Nick Timberlake, 0 for 3 from 3 up at Illinois. He opened 0 for 4 last night. He hit his last one. It's just one, but he hit his most recent one. I think he's a guy that needed to see the ball go through the hoop in a 16,000 fan setting. He's only going to get more comfortable from here. Does it become Grady Dick? Absolutely not. But has he become a formidable three-point shooter on the perimeter? I think he does. And I think we'll wind up being better in that regard than others. But again, because you've got the, the glitzy ranking and we just lost a scrimmage you know, up in Illinois, I understand the fans being a little bit anxious. I'm just telling you, it's November the 2nd. You have hands down the best coach in America. You got the best center in the country, top two point guard in the country, best perimeter defender in the country. You don't have a ton of depth and three-point shooting is still a question we'll discuss probably for the next two months. But that dog will hunt. I'll take those four things working for us. Self, Dickinson, McCuller, Juan, I didn't even mention KJ. I think KJ's ready for a breakout year now playing in the four spot. So we're going to be pretty dang good. And you saw the Aussie last night for the first time. Give that kid six weeks and watch the way he really starts to blossom because I think he's got a chance to be really special as well.
He's the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joining us here in studio on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Brian, appreciate the time, and uh, before we let you go, word from Nate Miller. Yeah, big thanks to my man Nate Miller for sponsoring these reports each and every time I'm on with you guys. He wants to do for you what he's done for so many. Sit down, look at your financial portfolio. If you don't have one, he'll build one with you. Make sound financial investments for your most profitable financial future. Check him out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. Good luck with that baby class later tonight, Papa Thank you. Johnson. Can't wait to see you as a dad. I'm so proud of you, man. You guys have a great night, okay? All right, you too. That's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right, uh, we're going to get some Andy Kotelnicki audio coming up on the other side. We've got some more player audio and post-game audio, too, that we'll get to throughout the show. We go till 6, High School Sports Weekly at Mama's Tamale Shop after that. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We've got High School Sports Weekly coming at you tonight after the show, 6 to 7. And Mama's Tamale Shop, the best authentic Mexican food in Lawrence, located on 9th Street. Nick, who do you guys have uh, on the show tonight? Tonight we have the Free State Soccer Team. Or no, excuse me, Free State tennis team mm. and the Eudora soccer team. Okay, so go on out for the show, and even if it's not for the show, check out Mama's Tamale Shop again on 9th Street, best authentic Mexican food in Lawrence. Uh, we're going to get to a Jamari McDowell player preview and some audio coming up in our next segment. We'll get to some uh, Bill Self postgame audio here in this segment after the uh, win last night over Fort Hayes State in the exhibition. First, though, we have to recap our Rock Chalk Pickahawk, which Nick... I think I won. You do. I did win. Are you confident enough that because you wanted to say that these exhibition games? Well, don't wait a count. minute. I had El Marco on my team, didn't I? Um, yes, you did. Okay, I might have lost actually. Okay, I also had Michael Jankovic, who got me minus six. El Marco, El Marco was minus, minus eight. Okay, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Now, let me ask you. You said yesterday you didn't want to count the exhibition games. Correct. Yes. Do you still want to not count the exhibition games? Correct. Yes. Okay. Well, I want to count them, and I beat you. <laughs> Thirty-six to four was the final score. Wait, really? Not even close. What? Yeah. How? Why did you think you did so well? I don't know. <laughs> you just you just had a, a good feeling. Well, I had. Uh, let's see. So I had Kevin. He had a good game. Mm-hmm. Kevin then, got you uh, thirteen pickhawk points. Yeah. So there you go. That's pretty good. Second among anybody. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming Hunter Dickinson had more. He had twenty-five. How did he have that many? I mean, points, rebounds, he only played like 25 minutes, <laughs> got some blocks, assists. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, so I had Kevin. KJ had double digits, so I thought I probably got KJ had there. five Pickhawk points. Yeah, but I'm sure I lost a lot with El Marco. I probably lost with Timberlake. I probably lost. Marco with, had minus uh, eight, Timberlake had minus five. Yeah, so that, that wipes Furphy out Furphy had McCullough. minus one. So if you think about it, minus eight and minus five. And McCullough at 13? Yeah, that, Patrick that Cassidy, it. who had zero and did not play, was your third best player. <laughs> so I had Hunter Dickinson, who had 25. Okay. Dewan Harris got me one. Zach Clements got me two. Despite, I, I still am waiting for evidence that like Zach Clements is a good shooter. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, Michael Jankovic got me negative six. Yeah, that which, ended up being a bad one. Well, that was interesting that I, again, like, this was actually the game that he did come in. He came in with, like, the 10-minute mark and played with, like, real rotation players. Yeah. So maybe that was Bill Self being like, all right, I'm tired of us missing all these threes. Let's put him in there. But yeah. he goes, what, 0 for 3? <laughs> uh, Dylan Wilhite got me four points. How? He grabbed, it was like, 
two rebounds and an assist in like a minute 50 or something. But the third most points of any player, second most on my team, was mm. Parker Brown. Yeah, he had a good 10 game. Ten points, yeah. Five game. points, three rebounds, three blocks in uh, like nine or ten minutes. Yeah. He Parker Brown? Yes. Parker Brown good? Parker Brown good. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the type of game that would benefit Parker Brown because he is a a bit of a thinner center. You know, he's he's Maybe, six, yeah. six ten. He's what two hundred and twenty pounds, two hundred fifteen yeah. pounds, something like that. Most so you're playing an team, undersized uh, team, as opposed to like the Illinois game when he was having to go up against like Dane Danger, yeah. who's like two hundred and seventy pounds. Well, and I was thinking, more likely than not, you're going to be playing in the Big Twelve teams that are not that big. Yes, like Jesse Edwards, but. I don't know. Texas will play big a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Baylor's got a couple like lurking big men. But yeah, outside of that, I mean, for the most part, it's it's not like overly large teams or teams with stretch fives. But that can give KU troubles in in kind of its own right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man. Yeah. So okay, zero and zero. Now we the regular season. No, nope, two and oh. Two and oh no, for Derek. Oh, dude, come on. Two and oh for Derek. <laughs> what a start for me. Oh yeah, a great zero and zero start. Yeah, Two and wow. zero start, baby. Impressive, impressive zero. Two and zero. In fact, I think I won all the Puerto Rico games, so I think I'm five and zero. I don't even think that's no. Yeah. Now you're just making stuff up. First of all, did, did we we picked for those games? I think, no, we right? didn't. We didn't. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. When you first said that, I was like, wait a second. Are you trying to gaslight me into saying that we picked those games? Because I don't think we did. <laughs> And we did. I'll tell you what. We don't have to count the Puerto Rico games, but we can count these two. There we go. No. All right. Two and zero. No. Start. Either we don't I mean. count any of them, or we count all of them. All right. We're counting all of them. I'm still two and zero. We didn't pick the first two. Uh, Bill Self had a chance to catch up with the media after KU took down Fort Hays State, seventy-three to fifty-five. Here is what the KU men's basketball head coach had to say. Good to see this many people stuck around to, to watch that. Hey, coach, I think in the two exhibition games. You, were, you guys were nine to forty as a team from behind the arc. Is that it's exhibition two games? Is that concerning? Do you think you have the guys that can make shots or what? Do you, well, we we I would look at it this way, Shay. Uh, uh, we ran a play for Nick to shoot it with minute two minutes left to make a three. So that knocks it down to five. Parker Bank went in. That knocks it down to four. And Kevin almost didn't play today, and he made the other four. So that's O of 18 for everybody else. Uh, I actually think that we're better than that, but no, but I don't think anybody's thinking that we got a, 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 a Svee, Grady, and Malik all out there at the same time. So, so, so I would say this: if we don't shoot it well then we better make sure that our man doesn't score easy. And that's where we have to become – because you can still have a terrific team and not make a lot of shots because we can play inside out and we, we, we can do some different things. But you can't uh, 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 not guard your man if you're not, uh, uh, you know, producing at least in some way, shape, or form. Uh, like, I thought we did a great job tonight on number five. Juan, and I thought Wilder, when he was in there for four or five minutes, I thought he probably did a great job on him, too. But, but uh, you know, we, 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 had a harder time, we had a hard time guarding the ball again. So, yes, we need to shoot it better. But, gosh, dang, if you're not going to shoot it great, at least guard on the other end, and we got to get better at that. Looking past the actual game tonight, what's your reaction to passing to Bobby Knight? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I didn't know about it till probably about hour or two before tip. Uh, I don't know what time it actually happened today. Do you guys know? So, so, what? Oh, so, so, so. I think it was a little before that because I knew it up in the office before I came down. But, 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 uh, uh, yeah. I, 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 it's a sad day. He'd been sick for a while, and uh, uh, he gave an awful lot to the game, an awful lot to a lot of people, in in only in the in only the way that he could do it, and I think. You know, most people respected it. A lot of people uh, uh, definitely uh, uh, picked holes at it, which that's okay because he's a con controversial figure. But uh, nobody could <coughs> ever doubt or deny the good he did for a lot of people. I mean, uh, you know, every one of his players graduated. What he did for for uh, uh, what was uh, what was uh, Landon Turner. Is that right? The, 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 I mean, unbelievable what he did for him in his life through the, the car accident and the uh, paralysis and everything. Just just things like that he would never call attention to. That He did a lot of things for a lot of people that people in his circle knew he did. So, uh, But he wouldn't be one to go around telling everybody what he was doing. So he'll be missed. And, and certainly he's an icon and as big a figure our, probably as our sport's ever known. favorite topic, the fifth starter. Um, you said the other day, though, that, that it may come down to who those other four like to play with most or feel best with. Yeah. What, what do you think they might – I just asked Dewan and KJ, but what do you think they might – I'd be curious to know what they said. Yeah, defense. Which I don't think we score enough out of that position not to be good defensively in okay. that position right now. Sure. Uh, uh, so so and, – and, and that doesn't help make the decision easier right now because nobody guards yet in uh, uh but uh i would say you know johnny i thought looked okay today considering he's practiced one time in three weeks and so he'll get better and and everything and he's really he's very uh uh, uh smart iq standpoint so even though he's missed he'll pick stuff up quickly when he comes back in a short amount of time but uh you know we we, we uh, uh we're gonna need somebody to come through and be consistent, and, and, and right now I think it's totally up in the air on who that is. Also, when, when DeWan's not on the floor, who, who's the primary? Player? It's going to have to be Kevin. Okay. Yeah, Kevin's going to have to play uh, point guard when, 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 uh, when DeWan's not on the floor did, the majority of the time. Do you anticipate that being the case, or is that something just you're seeing? No, I, that we've seen that since we've been, since we started practicing. But okay. uh, I, I do believe that uh, – you know, it'd be nice if Omarco's ready for that, but Omarco's thinking so much he can't play. He's paralyzed, so 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 he's thinking so much, and so you throw him to be the point guard and everything would make would probably make him, and at least in his mind, need to think more. So, I'd rather try to remove as much of that with him. Kevin can handle it. You mentioned Johnny and coming off the injury, he ended up playing 14 minutes. Just how'd you kind of evaluate how much you want him to play coming off the? Shoot? I was told 15 minutes was the number. That he could play, so so that was why. So what stood out to you about his his performance this evening? I don't know that anything stood out. Uh, 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 I thought he I thought he tried hard and moved moved well. I thought he was too excited, and and uh, you know he got a rebound one time, and instead of bringing it up on the break, he about broke Juan's nose 
uh, uh, with the three foot outlet pass or whatever. But I, I, I thought he actually looked pretty good considering uh, uh, he hadn't been out there at all. So, is Kevin <coughs> doing okay? Yeah, yeah, Kevin got his uh, 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 neck hit again tonight. So they told they told us at halftime uh, that. Bill, he's not going to play much second half. It's, it's, it's hurting him too bad. And he made two threes to start the second half, and I'm sure that eased a little bit of the pain, uh, 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 you know, shortly. But, th but then he came and told me, he said, Coach, I'm, I said, you're done, aren't you? And he said, I'm done for the night. So he'll be fine, but it's just soft tissue stuff. But, but uh, uh, certainly he was hurting tonight. Do you think the guys are ready for a real game? No, no, we're not ready. No, 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 we're not ready. Uh, now we'll we'll be better, but our our energy uh, we played tired. Uh, we we uh, our our energy adrenaline levels I think uh, need to pick up uh, in a big way. But uh, I think we're tired right now. I think I think the Illinois deal. Playing those guys that many minutes, which wasn't smart in hindsight, uh, and then uh, uh, practicing yesterday and playing today, I, I think we look like a tired team. So we'll take tomorrow off, and then we'll get three days to practice before, obviously, we open up on Monday. But but uh, you know it's here, and so and we got a lot of stuff we still got to get in. So it it, it it's going to be tight to get stuff in we need to get in before we play but the biggest thing with us I, I would just like to see a little bit more energy we're not athletic enough not to play with great energy the thing about what great energy allows good athletes to to look great or great athletes to be exceptional but when you don't play with energy and you're and, and you're not naturally as, as as gifted athletically you can look slow and I thought tonight we looked like we were playing in slow motion that was Bill Self speaking with the media after KU's exhibition game. He uh, did not sound too pleased with his team. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we're I think we're starting to see how this team's going to win games. They're going to win games like fifty-five to forty, or fifty-five to fifty, or things like that. Well, Tony Bennett. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, with Hunter Dickinson, uh, we kind of we kind of talked about this, but like, it's just so hard to accurately like project what he's going to do because the expectations were national player of the year. <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, and then you got the, you saw the situation of trying to fit him with KJ Adams. Kevin McCuller is looking pretty good, but can he stay healthy? Can he keep that up? Not a great game for uh, the freshman. No, not I mean, a great Johnny game Furphy, for the I, I think I'll Johnny Furphy was, was actually pretty decent. Yeah, we, we talked about this earlier. I thought Furphy was the best of the guys that I view to be like in the battle of the shooting guard, but even then, it's not like he was like great. It's not like yeah. he lit up the scoreboard. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Things you need to work on. The three-point shooting is, is definitely a bugaboo, and uh, Bill Self was not happy. I mean, those were certainly some uh, stark words from Bill Self on El, Mar El Marco Jackson yeah. uh, talking about how you know, he basically he's he's running through the motion. Or I don't know. He, he said that about the whole team. He said the whole team is like running through the motions right now, and it just doesn't look. But uh, he said, "No, we're we are not ready." Like that was a direct quote. Um, he said uh, in regard to El Marco, quote, "He's paralyzed. He's thinking so much. El Marco is thinking so much. He can't play." Like that's tough. That's yeah. Yeah, you're counting on El Marco to be a key player on this year's team. You don't have a lot of other options, right? Yeah, I mean. 
you go back to last year, and I, I think uh, some of the guys on last year's team were facing some of the same issues. Like Joe Yesifu, I think, had that problem a lot. Mm-hmm. Even like MJ Rice probably had that issue a lot where you need to you, – it's almost like it's it's counterintuitive, but stop thinking and play. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to get to a Jamari McDowell player preview. That coming up next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Depend on it. All right, we're going to continue on with one of our player previews. Jamari McDowell is next up. Before we get into the preview, we had a chance to hear from Jamari McDowell, Nick and members of the media, catching up with the freshman shooting guard. You're just a freshman coming into KU and Lawrence. What was something that maybe most surprised you about KU, Lawrence, just the area? How much of a basketball town it really is. You know, it's it's crazy because I, I, when I came on my visit, I... Uh, School was in, but it wasn't basketball season. So this is really a basketball town. It's really a love for the school. What's what's a Bill Self practice like? The intensity. What, what's all that like? Yeah, super super intense. Every everything is intense. Uh, <laughs> you got to be turned up always. Always turned up. Um, but it's great though. No, I love practicing. I love practice. You guys had the opportunity to go to Puerto Rico as a team. How do you feel like that helped you individually, maybe on the court, but also kind of just bonding with the team? Yeah, no, we had a great time in Puerto Rico. We um, well, we went two and one, I believe. Yeah, we went two and one, and we had a yeah, we had a great time. We we went on a little boat out in the ocean and did a little snorkeling. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Are you a fan of boats and whatnot going out there? Yeah, yeah, it was cool until uh, I got a little tired and I had to hitch on to a boat. I got a little tired of swimming, man. I almost had to, you know what I'm saying? But. Off the court, uh, is there anything you ever do need to maybe just, if you need a mental reset from basketball, what are some things you might try to do to maybe help yourself kind of just reset a little bit? Um, I talk to my dad, you know. That's probably my first option. But uh, I might get a massage or something or sleep. Sleep is a is a really big it's a main thing in college. I had to learn that. Man, you need to go to sleep. <laughs> Got to go to sleep. You wear number eleven. Any significance for that, or did you just how did you get that, or what was the story? is there any story behind that? Uh, my dad is number. He he wore number ten, and I just wanted to know and let him know I'm one time better than him. So okay, I've been wearing it since. It's like seventh grade. What do you think has been the big, the biggest difference between playing at this level and playing in high school? The speed, for sure. The speed and the uh, the intensity, for sure. And I mean, these we're going from playing with 14, 15, 16 year olds, and then you come here and you're playing 20, 23, 24. You know, it's just the physical attributes that you have to have and mental toughness that you have to have to be able to play at a high level. Yeah, but there's some real experienced guys on this team, guys like Hunter Dickinson, Dewan Harris, KJ Adams. How much do you feel like their experiences maybe helped you? Yeah, it's been super important for my transition for sure because they've been here and they know what it looks like, what it's supposed to look like, and they've really helped me for sure. I, I'm grateful that they're here. Halloween is just around the corner. Do you have a favorite Halloween candy? Mmm... Favorite Halloween candy? Nah, I don't have them. Oh, I do like I do like getting the Starburst, the little the little two packages. Oh, there we go. As a kid, did you ever dress up for Halloween, or do you have a specific costume you remember from maybe dressing up when you were younger? Yeah, I used to. I used to always dress up as like a Transformer, or, okay. or maybe like Batman. <laughs> but I'm gonna go. That's cool. Make sure it's all good luck this season. Thank you.
That was Jamari McDowell meeting with the uh, media, and it's been fun getting to hear from all these players and learn a little personality from all of them. We'll have uh, plenty more of these audio clips coming throughout the days as we continue the player preview. So as we've been asking here, floor versus ceiling for Jamari McDowell. What does is, what is the ceiling look like for Jamari McDowell this season? Yeah, well, luckily for us, Bill Self uh, astutely illustrated his ceiling, if you remember right, back in uh, media I think day. That was a career ceiling, though. Yeah, but no, he did mention oh, he this did, season right, too. Right, right. He mentioned for this season that he's a role uh, player, right? Basically, his ceiling would be that yeah, he's a he's a rotational guy uh, that can play you know maybe single digit to ten digits minutes per game. So uh, I think that's if that's coming from Bill Self's mouth, I think that's go <laughs> open. See, I think the case. ceiling could be higher than that. What if you continue to have troubles with the two guards? Like, what if the ceiling is twenty minutes? What if he does usurp at some point, Johnny? For I, I don't know that it's so, most likely. Well, if but that's Jamar McDowell's individual this ceiling, is the ceiling. I think this that would the be high end of outcomes. Well, I think right? that would be bad for the team. Maybe, or that would mean that he just really something clicked and and things went well for him. Or maybe he was a good three-point shooter on a team that clearly needs that, right? So I think the ceiling to me is, yeah, 15, 20 minutes per game, and he's one of the team's better three-point shooters, and he's a good 3-and-D player. Uh, But I don't know how likely that is given the stacking up of some of those other players there. And, and like you said, it seems more likely to me that's kind of in the middle. What What is the floor? The floor is probably just the floor is probably not part just, of the rotation. Right? Yeah, the floor is probably just not playing at all, yeah. I think. That you end up behind Furphy, El Marco, and Timberlake, and so it's tough to get in. Like, when we say not playing at all, we're not saying he doesn't get in ever. Yeah. We're saying he gets like in for spot two minutes. minutes. Right, minutes, he might come in minutes. for a, a four-minute stretch in a random game because somebody's in foul trouble or Bill Self wants to give him a look every once every couple weeks or the game's a blowout and you put him in. Um, and I do think long-term, like the ceiling, again, going back to the Travis Relliford thing, like I, I don't mean to, you know, I, I hate being negative with this and being like, oh, the the floor is him not playing. Well, but long-term, I think he's going to be a really good player for you. Now, the most likely scenario for Jamari McDowell I, I Again, think, probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, somewhere in the middle to where... Maybe he, like five minutes a game, six minutes sure, a game. Sure, five to ten minutes per game. And even then, like, it might be more spot five to ten minutes per game. Like, it might be... Because right now, even in the exhibition, he, he played um, in the Illinois game like two or three minutes. In the Fort Hayes State game, it was single-digit minutes also. So if that's what's happening in the exhibition games, do, does that kind of make the middle ground that he's playing like five minutes per game, but it's like... Once we get to conference play, it's like maybe once every three games, once every two games, something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's the most likely right now. I think that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, again, I think, uh, you know. But again, the way you get probably, closer to the ceiling here is if the three-point shooting. That's uh, yeah. how I think it. Because if he demonstrates that, that he can shoot threes in practice and in games, right. that's probably going to get him on the floor. Like more. maybe he gets one game in the non-con where he does get a longer leash and he goes three of four for because three. And then if, Bill Self's like, all right, let's give him a longer leash next game. And then he goes two for four from three the yeah. next game. And then it just Because if you remember, Bill Self did say that his Jamari is a very di- good defender and has, yeah. very been, has been really strong on defense and defending and whatnot. So if he has that part down, that's the thing that Bill Self really values. And then if he is contributing in other areas, maybe that does get him on the floor more. Yeah. And I definitely think long-term ceiling will, will be better than this year. Um, he's one of those guys that you hope sticks around because yeah. I think he could be a good program player for you. Yeah, for All sure. right. That's our uh, Jamari McDowell player preview here. We're going to continue on with the show after this timeout. we got High School Sports Weekly tonight over at Mama's Tamale Shop on 9th Street in Lawrence. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can 
reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.